Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. Our broadcast today is entitled Enduring. A couple of weeks ago, we shared some thoughts about those moments in our lives when we do our very best to be prayerful and biblical and actively, intentionally obedient to God's commands. But a situation absolutely blows up in our faces. I hope that that message really touched you because it's something that we all deal with from time to time. It is simply unavoidable when we do our very best and yet things don't turn out the way that they ought to. That was a point that I think is very relevant to each and every one of us in our walk with Christ. The examples that we used in that message were, number one, Joseph, who was hated by his brothers out of jealousy. He was his father's favorite. His father made him a coat of many colors. God had given him dreams, indicating that he would be put in a position of authority over the rest of his family, and that certainly came to pass. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was lied about and incarcerated, but God eventually promoted him to second-in-command of Egypt. And all that, Joseph didn't do anything wrong He's one of the few characters in the Bible that nothing critical is recorded of him in any way. Job is another example that we looked at, a man that God had blessed. He feared God, and he shunned evil. But he was afflicted by Satan, and he lost everything that he had. But the main example that we used in that broadcast, again, just a couple of weeks ago, is that of Moses. Moses is told when he sees the bush that burned but was not consumed. He's about 80 years old at this point. He is tending to his father-in-law's flock, and on the backside of the desert, he sees that bush on top of the mountain that burned but wasn't consumed. He goes up on the mount, and he has a conversation with God. God speaks to him. God tells him to go and to tell Pharaoh to let My people go. Let Israel go. Their cries have come up before me, and I'm going to avenge them. Moses does exactly that after a little bit of a conversation, after even trying to get out of that command, not believing that he was capable or qualified to go and to deliver God's people. He finally obeys. He and his brother Aaron, they go before Pharaoh, and they say that Jehovah says to let his people go. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? Who is Jehovah that I should obey him? He sends Moses out of his presence. He says these Israelites apparently have too much time on their hands. We need to afflict them even more. Don't give them straw for the bricks that they're going to make to build these cities for me. Let them go get their own straw. Make it more difficult. Make it more demanding. Make it harder on them. Moses did what God told him to do. And for a period of time, things actually got worse for the children of Israel before they got better. Now, the children of Israel, as they begin to experience this, were angry with Moses. What is this that you've done? You have caused us to be despised by the Egyptians. Moses, when he sees all of this happening, begins to question, Lord, if I'm doing what you told me to do, why has the situation gotten worse than it was before I was even here? You sent me here because the situation is bad, and now that I've intervened in this, it's even worse than it was before. What's the deal here? There are times in our lives that sometimes when we do what is right, it blows up in our faces, and that 
sort of curiosity and discouragement and disappointment and maybe even anxiety, that's probably not very foreign to us. We've all been there, maybe not to the extreme that Moses was, but we've all been there to one degree or another. On today's broadcast, I want to follow up on this line of thought and emphasize the importance of endurance. In other words, because life is difficult, because as Christians we meet challenges to our faith, to be successful in our walk with Christ, we stand in need of endurance. Now, while today this thought is being expressed to you on the radio, in more of a spiritual context, this thought of enduring despite difficulty and challenge and affliction, sticking with it, working hard through difficult phases of life to find success, this benefits us in every area of life. Today we look at it more in a spiritual sense, but this applies to the things that we experience at work. It applies certainly to raising children. Raising children is difficult, and we want them to come to the end of their life and to be responsible adults. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Words of Grace, occasionally I mention the fact that I'm a musician here in Huntsville, Alabama, and I play the trumpet among a couple of other brass instruments on a fairly regular basis. A great example that I immediately begin thinking of is I think about tasks in life that are difficult that you don't have the immediate quick gratification from is playing a brass instrument. And really any difficult instrument to play could be in this category. There are some instruments, guitar for instance, I got one for Christmas along with two or three others in high school when I was a a high school student and Everybody came back to school after the Christmas break and could play music. They could play songs. There was a very quick learning curve to be able to make the basic chords, a G, a D, a C, that were required to play a lot of the popular music. But a brass instrument or a woodwind, a stringed instrument like the violin, people who become proficient at those have to spend literal hours a week, every week, for years for that instrument to sound like the sort of thing that you hear on television and in movie scores or at your local symphony. Not only does it take years to sound like you want the instrument to sound, it takes even more time to develop the advanced skills that a lot of professional musicians have. And even then, it's a struggle to maintain it and to keep it. So as a musician, it's easy for me in my mind to think of a sort of task or skill that takes a lot of perseverance and endurance. Anything that's worth doing in this life is going to involve a certain degree of difficulty. Enduring or persevering in that behavior is what's going to lead us to success, including our walk with Christ, being a successful disciple in our own personal lives each and every day. Now, enduring and persevering is something that the Bible often reminds us about. One, by way of example, both positive and negative examples of people who endured, but also by way of explicit commands to continue continuing, as it were. And maybe that would be a helpful thought for you to ingest and commit to memory that the Word of God would have us to continue continuing. 
We are to endure. We're to persevere in this path that God has set before us. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a preface as we begin using that word persevere and also the word endure on the broadcast today. Let me just say regarding those terms that our usage of the term persevere today regards our daily lives on good pathways and not our eternal state. Those quickened of the Lord, those who are born again, those who are saved, they were foreknown of God, elected, they were predestinated, they were called, they were justified by Christ upon the cross, and they will be glorified. Because of this, they will certainly endure in this gracious state they are in. They will not fall away from a state of grace. Older statements of faith would say, then, that people who are saved either persevere in grace or that they shall not finally fall away. And those two statements are synonyms. To persevere in grace meant that you will never fall out of grace. If you are in a gracious state, you will remain in a gracious state. Or that you will never finally fall away. And the key word there is the word finally, meaning that when you die, no matter what happens here in this world, you will go to be with Jesus because Jesus saved you from your sins. And while here in the world, you will never become unborn again. Once you're born again, you have eternal life. This life is eternal. It is not temporary. It is not term life. And because you have eternal life, you will remain in this gracious state. When I'm using the word endure or persevere today, it's not about a state like born again versus unregenerate, but our path, our walk, persevering on a path, enduring in discipleship, enduring in our steadfastness of discipleship. If you're a pastor, Continuing in the ministry and not giving up. If you're a Christian parent, continuing to teach your children the Word of God, continuing to pray with them. If you're a dad in the workplace, a husband in the workplace, continuing to love your wife when you're away from home and to not let yourself fall victim to some of the sins that even many of God's people in the Bible fell victim to, like David as he sinned with Bathsheba. What I'm talking about today is persevering through trials and remaining steadfast in our discipleship, doing what God's Word would have us to do, no matter how hard it is, maybe even when we do all that we can to honor and serve God, and yet the situation blows up in our face, as the case with Moses or Joseph or Job or many other of God's people in the Bible. Think about Moses. There were so many times in his life that he could have just given up, but he didn't. He endured. He had had an experience with God. He knew the atrocities of the Egyptians against the people of Israel. And so with this confidence in God, this knowledge of the ability that God gives, Moses endured. He didn't desert his calling, but he stuck with it. He stayed with it. Now, you might have the question— Pastor, if I'm a person that's born again and I'm going to endure in a state of grace and I'm not going to finally fall away, can I abandon my callings sometimes? Can I walk away from what God has commanded me to do? Well, 
let me ask you the question. Have you ever done that? I think the answer is yes to each and every one of us. There are things that we don't accomplish in the world in our spiritual walk that we could have because we simply did not stick with it. Our lives are not always in the ideal. Our behavior is not always ideal. We don't always stick with things that God has called us to stick with, as it were. We're not always discipled. We're not always enduring in what we ought to do. And so there are things we leave on the table. There are blessings that we don't receive that we could. We could read more Scripture. We could pray more. We could be around God's people more. We could enjoy fellowship more. And all of those things would be a benefit to us. And we forsake that. And because of that, we deny ourselves blessings that we could have. So though we will continue in a state of grace and never finally fall away, we don't often continue on the pathways that God has called us to walk because of the difficulty. And like so many other people, we jump out of the ship and swim to shore and then never really see the things that we hope for and we work towards coming to fruition. The main thought that I want to convey to you today is that you and I are to develop the spiritual discipline of endurance. Now, we're not naturally inclined to continue on a path met with difficulty. It hurts. Sometimes the pain that we experience in difficulty is emotional. Sometimes the pain might be spiritual. Sometimes, perhaps, we even experience physical setback and physical pain, physical difficulties. And these pains that we deal with, these afflictions, these hurdles, these opponents, these setbacks, whichever word you want to use, they sometimes cause us to abandon the path we're on before the seeds that we've sown, as it were, come to fruition. Endurance is a spiritual discipline. Now, this is much like prayer, the study of God's Word. This is something that you and I have to work at. It's something that we can grow in. It's something that we can neglect. And the Word of God would call upon us many times to develop this discipline, to grow in our endurance. I like to think that sometimes the smaller trials we experience early on, particularly in our walk with Christ, prepare us for future difficulties that we'll endure. There were situations that I experienced early in my ministry that hurt, that were not pleasant to go through, but I believe that they actually equipped me to better handle things that I would experience later in my ministry. They were fiery trials that burned away the dross in my life and enabled me to be stronger in moments when greater adversity came my way. But when we meet this pain on a pathway, we're naturally inclined to turn around and go the other direction or to jump off the road and go somewhere else and do some other thing. We don't like pain. We're designed to not like pain. Sometimes, many times, the primary purpose of pain in our lives is to teach us that something is not pleasant. It's not something we should do. It's destructive. If you ever put your hand on a hot burner on your stove, as your hand touches that and the pain shoots into your hand and up your arm, it's your body's way of protecting itself from damage. And so you experience the pain and you retract, you pull away. That's natural. Because of that, when we find adversity in this world, sometimes we draw back, we pull away because of the unpleasant experience. Sometimes, again, this pain is emotional, spiritual, or physical. 
I have learned that many, many times those difficulties exist before major breakthroughs. And I've almost come to believe them to be a form of discouragement from the devil to stop the progress that you're making, particularly as setbacks begin to happen in a more spiritual context. What do I mean by that? So if you're a pastor and there's a period of great difficulty in your church, maybe a discouraging season where folks are not attending church as they ought to, maybe everybody takes multiple vacations one after another and church attendance is at about 50% for a prolonged season, would you believe that there have been times that I have been very encouraged as a pastor, that something good is on the horizon, only for that season of encouragement to be followed by sickness or lukewarmness or somebody deciding to quit the church or quit the faith altogether, in those moments of discouragement, I could be tempted as a pastor to say, you know what, this is just futile, I give up, this is hard, I'm not succeeding, I'm failing, it's just not working out. But I have learned that so many times after those difficult seasons— God opens up the floodgates, as it were, and he pours down a blessing that I don't even have room in my cup to receive. So when things are going really good, and maybe you're anticipating some great moments ahead, and there are those little difficulties that we experience, and they don't seem so little in the moment, I've come to expect after those things are over that there will be a time of great blessing if I stay true to what God has called me to do. And I think if you survey your life, you'll find that that's true in your own personal story as well. The difficulties happen right before great triumphs and breakthroughs. And what that is, is this world or the evil of this world, the prince of the power of the air, trying to stop some good thing that is obviously going to happen. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it over and over again, so that not only when things are going great do I pray and watch for that unfortunate thing to happen, but I know in those unfortunate moments that if we can just stay obedient to God's Word and prayerful and humble, after the difficulty is over, God is going to bless us again, and the latter portion is going to be better than before. Now, you might be thinking, well, what about those times when somebody does what's right, they're persecuted, and some evil man kills them for their faith? Well, there's still something better beyond. If a wicked man does the very worst that this world can do to you and take your life, what happens to a child of God in death? Well, they're more than conquerors through Christ that loves them. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter all the day long, and yet... Through Christ, we're more than conquerors. So even in the worst-case scenario, for the child of God, there's still something better that is coming. And the glorious thing about that, it's because Jesus endured, not you. It's because Jesus was completely perfect at all times, and he never abandoned his path despite the terrible difficulties that he endured, which are more, which are more severe, yea, infinitely greater than what any of us have ever endured in our lives in the form of hardship or difficulty. Now, as I think about this subject of the breakthroughs happening after periods of difficulty and how it requires great endurance, I'm sure many of you have seen the little cartoon image that floats around social media of someone mining underground. It's a simple graphic of a two-dimensional man mining through a two-dimensional world, and 
he sets out from the surface and he digs all around in the brown soil and then finally he comes to a spot and you can see what's in front of him though he can't separated by about a half inch of soil is the miner from breaking through into a giant chamber of diamonds or gold and the miner has reached his limit he's discouraged he's walking away with a sad face dragging his pick behind him when breakthrough and all he was looking for is just another few swings away that's a very powerful image and i like to think about that in my own personal life whether raising kids or playing an instrument or pastoring a church there's always if we continue on this path another breakthrough that god is going to give us imagine if you gave up right before finding the Chamber of Diamonds. Not only would you be discouraged, because everything that you had done was in vain, all the difficulty, all the sweat, all the toils, all the tears, but you forfeited everything that you had worked for. So the moral of that story is to keep picking away, keep swinging, keep digging, keep working at it, because eventually that breakthrough is going to happen. Now, being the interesting world that social media is. Someone made an alternate version of this where the miner is but a foot from a sewer as well. And so if he keeps picking through the dirt, the next thing you know is he's going to find himself in a very unpleasant state. And I would say that that's probably a needful image as well. There's a time to walk away. There is a time to walk away. And wisdom is prayerfully discerning when that time has arrived. When does a pastor say, the church isn't following my leadership, I need to go and labor in another area? Maybe as a parent with adult children who are not responsible, the question might be, when do I turn loose and let them go and experience the consequences of their actions? When is it time to leave a job because you simply... Don't find that job to be compatible with your life anymore. Those are questions that are real. And at times we have to choose to walk away. And wisdom is knowing when to walk away. But generally speaking, we're to press on. We're to continue. We're to persevere in what God has called us to do. So let's look at some scripture at the conclusion of our broadcast. Usually we give you scripture and then we spend some time drawing points from it. Today we gave you the point. And now we're going to show you some scripture that demonstrates it. Probably the most famous verse that brings this thought before us is the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, this passage is talking about sowing to the flesh or sowing to the Spirit, and it's talking about doing good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So reaping, if we faint not, has to do with spiritual things, not us becoming billionaires if we buy the right stock or the right cryptocurrency or any other sort of vain thing, though this can also apply in that realm of life as well. This focus is on the spiritual. Be not weary in well-doing, in due season, we will reap if we faint not. And that is a huge if. There are ifs in the Bible, and this is one of them. Now, there are so many thoughts we could bring out of this. There's a due season to reap. A farmer knows this. Americans don't realize it. We want instant gratification. We want to pull up in a fast food restaurant's window and have a full meal for $6 that 
we receive in five minutes, when in reality, for the majority of human history, for you to have a meal required sacrificing an animal that you had and spending a great deal of time dressing it and cooking it and preserving it. If there was parts of it that you wanted to preserve for later, it wasn't an instant gratification thing to eat for the majority of humans in human history. But for us, we want it and we want it now. But a farmer knows this concept better than anybody. In due season, you reap if you faint not. A farmer is going to cultivate the ground. He's going to plant his seed He's going to water it and fertilize it. He's going to continue to keep the weeds out of it. He's going to protect that crop as it begins to spring up. And eventually, in the season of the harvest, he's going to take that which he has grown, that fruit, and he is going to either eat it or sell it, whatever the purpose is in growing that crop. In due season, we will reap if we faint not. You can plant crops and turn around and get discouraged and walk away, never to mess with them again, and weather will beat them down, weeds will encroach on them and starve them, and the animals will enjoy whatever remains of that food that you've grown. Similar to that passage, Galatians 6-9 is one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 126. It's a psalm of the Lord restoring Israel after captivity. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things to them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as in the streams of the south. Listen to this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What does that say? We go and we sow in tears. As pastors, we know this more than anybody. We sow in tears. You parents have sown in tears with your children. And you're promised here, as a general principle, there are always exceptions, but as a general principle, as we go forth weeping and bearing that precious seed, weeping involves affliction that we will come again, bringing our harvest with us. Now, notice this begins with God's providence when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. This is not by virtue of your strength. We go casting seeds with tears, difficulty, and we come again with a harvest because God is the Lord of the harvest. He blesses it to work. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel and becoming a millionaire. I'm talking about worthwhile things in this world that we meet difficulty in doing. James chapter 1 talks about how blessed a person is when he endures temptation, that he receives a crown of life. Look at Paul's swan song in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. How does he describe his life as he comes to the close of his life? He says, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Paul says, listen, I've come to the end of my life, and I have kept the faith. I kept my course. I stayed on the path. I had endurance. I didn't jump ship like others who love this present evil world, as you see in verse 10 of this same chapter regarding a man named Demas, who loved the present world and went into Thessalonica. No, Paul maintained he continued despite the adversity and the difficulty. He fought a good fight, and because of that, he finished his course. 
But the best example of this in all of the Bible, again, we take here any subject that we can find and we run straight to the cross. There's no greater example of this principle of enduring despite difficulty for the ultimate victory than the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus endured. Jesus didn't give up. For the joy set before him, he endured even that which he despised, and he has the victory. May we look to Christ and his example and endure hardships as the best is yet to come. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today, inviting you to write, let me know that you've received the broadcast, and also to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at marchtozion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. To contact us, address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741 or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.